fans and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a basketball game to recap and what a big one it was as the Badgers went into Purdue and Mackey Arena come away and came away with a victory uh, over the Purdue Boilermakers, then ranked number three at the time. So really a, a fun back and forth game. We'll get into some superlatives about Johnny Davis, I'm sure, with his career high in points and rebounds. He was spectacular, the best player on the floor um, throughout the course of that game. And what more can you really say about the player? But we'll get into all sorts of things from that huge win for the Badgers to get Big Ten basketball playback started. Then in the back half of the show, we've got a ton of football news to get to. We were kind of planning the podcast out and really didn't feel like we had too much to talk about. We were going to get into some other stuff, off-season type stuff, and then all of a sudden, a ton of news started breaking for the football side in regards to Leo Schnall. Uh, we'll recap some other news. We've got a transfer portal in um, um, from Toledo. We've got, of course, the big departure of Joe Rudolph to talk about, which will be a little bit longer out of a discussion. So a lot to get to on the football side, even despite us heading into the offseason now. Matt, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Yeah, no, that was a fantastic uh, basketball game tonight that I know we're going to talk about. But, yeah, it was just – the news just kept coming yesterday in terms of the football program. And um, I'm, I would assume that as this week goes on, there'll be continue to be trickle out a little bit more news here and there. But uh, overall, just going back to that basketball game, what a, what a way for the Badgers to, to jumpstart Big Ten play going again. Yeah, I mean, it's just been a, it's been a fun team to watch. And, and that really takes us into, why don't we start with just the overall, I mean, you came out the last game in, in, defensively they kind of struggled and and didn't look great and you thought okay is that going to trickle over to this Purdue game but I would say you know well we'll certainly talk about Johnny Davis but I think the big storyline of this game was was there defensively they played a lot better against a really tough test I mean you talk about this Purdue team is is super deep I mean they've got a ton of experience I can't is it Stefanovic I, I couldn't believe that he was back for this team Seems like he's been at Purdue for years. Travion Williams, Jaden Ivey, um, so much talent on this team. And this is a place that historically Wisconsin has not played very well. So you thought, oh, man, this is going to be, with the way they played defensively last time, this is going to be a tough test. But they came out and, and played much better on that end of the floor, which, once again, you know, if you play that way defensively and you've got, I'm not going to say you're going to get a career performance from Johnny Davis every night, but if he's, you know, a guy that you can play through offensively, this team's got a recipe for success. So I know the the big storyline is Jonathan Davis, but I thought this team looked really, really good defensively as well. Yeah, you look at it, they held Purdue to their second lowest point total on the season. This is a Purdue team that has really good offense. And Wisconsin, they there was just some urgency in, in the way that they were playing. They were out-hustled. Uh, Purdue all night long, and you just saw Johnny Davis took over. And regardless of what Purdue was able to do, they had multiple little mini runs, especially early in that second half, where you looked at it and you're like, oh, it, this could snowball. And Johnny Davis responded every single time. Brad Davison had a couple big three-pointers to respond. 
Um, but I was really impressed by the Wisconsin bigs. Um, I know they didn't get a lot of action just because they were just getting pounded inside against the length of Purdue. But I thought they held up really well and did everything they could to muck up that game inside to make it hard on Purdue, which made it so that the kind of offense kind of jump-started off of that because everybody saw the work that they were putting in against the bigs of Purdue, and Johnny Davis just put the team on his back. After only putting up 10 points in the first half to drop 27 in the second, was just one of the best performances I've seen from a Badger in um, my 30-plus years of being a Badger fan. I'm glad you said that because that's kind of what I was thinking last night. Just the, the way I, I can't remember the last time a Badger player has taken over a game in that way, you know, with creating his own shot and, and, and finding that fadeaway. I mean, of course, you think back to like Frank Kaminsky, that could take over a game in his own way, but that's a little bit different with him being a big versus Johnny Davis was, you know, the fadeaway was going, the, stop, the turnaround jumper was going. From deep, he knocked down that huge three late in this contest, which really helped separate the Badgers. And, and you know, last year we talked about Johnny Davis as a, you know, a slash guy, someone who could get to the rim, get to the, you know, create space and get to the layups. But he's now shown that a new facet of his game, and maybe that was just a, a ton of work off season. Maybe that was something he had last year, and we just didn't get a chance to see it so much. But I was really impressed with that as well. And, and that's been a storyline all season is that, He's been able to knock down shots consistently, which maybe, like I said, maybe that part of his game was always in there, but we hadn't seen it like we saw it last night. I mean, the the, the step backs, the the fadeaways, the tough contested threes were really impressive. And, and you know, they talked about in the announcers, this kid looks like a lottery pick. And he certainly does, and that's not something you often hear um, from a Wisconsin basketball player, especially at that position. You're used to maybe so, some dominating bigs and forwards, but Johnny Davis has really continued to show that he's something special for Wisconsin, and, and we're going to uh, really enjoy watching him the, the rest of the season the way he's playing right now. Yeah, I mean, coming into the season, I remember when we talked about our preview, uh, I, I mentioned that Johnny Davis was just – he had to have a big year for this team, and that it was not only for the team, him to do well, but also for the program in general, just because what he brought to the table and what he could mean to the program, a program that's done really good with bigs, like you mentioned, but guard play, you, you haven't had that guard that can take over a game since probably Devin Harris that, uh, that Johnny Davis can bring. So looking at this, he is, he is a huge piece to what this program could be. And, and hopefully it sends some waves for future recruits to see as well what the Badgers can do when you have a star player like him that they can build around. But just his ability in that mid-range game is really stood out early. But he just looks like he's going at a completely different speed than everybody else around him. He puts people on skates, um, and, and that's indicative of a, a really difference maker. Um, and he's a star right now, and, and hopefully uh, he can continue to do it because when Wisconsin has their defense going like they did with, with just the, that intensity um, on ball and then as well as help defense and rotation the way they had it, having a player like Johnny Davis that can put up after points uh, can go a long way. And, wow, was that a hell of a performance by Davis and um, one that I definitely think goes in the, the books as one of the best uh, the past 30 years or so. Yeah, I mean, really, you, you talk about the second half especially, I mean, you know, and they needed a big shot and they needed a big score. It was get the ball uh, to Johnny Davis and, and get out of the way, kind of like Chubby, Chucky Hepburn said in in that post-game uh, presser uh, a while back, where it's get the ball to him, get out of the way, let him make plays. So he even had, you know, he, 
and I, I like that we didn't, I think we talked about it a little bit, but rebounds as well, 14 rebounds for him. He was all over the court. He had a really nice pass to Chris Vogt for a layup. So he, he's not just showing himself as a scorer. He's, he's kind of doing it all for this offense right now. And you certainly, you know, you're, you'll look for other guys to step up. I, I thought Brad Davison still played pretty well and he's a great, you know, number two option to get you some points. As you mentioned, the bigs, at least defensively, that was a really tough matchup for them. I mean, just they've got two of the most dominating bigs in the country, and to have to go in there and guard those two for 40 minutes is a test in its own right. And the other thing with Johnny Davis, I mean, he, he played pretty well on the defensive end as well. I know his offense certainly stands out, but there were some possessions where he was coming down and guarding uh, you know, a lottery pick himself in, in Jaden Ivey. So that's a tough ask to go out and get 37 points and have to guard um, you know, produce best player at times. He wasn't on him the whole time, but there were a couple times um, where he would come down and that was the matchup that he'd pick up. And, and that's a tough test in his own right. So the, the all in all, the encompassing effort of, of his play was, was truly impressive. And at this point, not all that surprised when you've seen what he's done all season, but it's, it's hard to not just sit here and, and rant and rave about the ability of him as a player. It's been really exciting. Yeah. And this like in the grand scheme of things, this is a huge win for the Badgers against one of the top teams in the Big Ten. You you lost that that heartbreaker earlier um, in, in Big Ten play, but for them to come back after looking a little sluggish the past two games, as they've been shuffling guys in and out of practice, had COVID issues, all sorts of different things, for them to respond back at full health the way they did, and they needed everybody, right? Like they went they went to a pretty deep bench as the game went on, but they needed so much effort here. I mean, you had Carter Gilmore at times guarding uh, guarding Edie, who, which is just like crazy to think about. But Wisconsin found a way to win, and and really just, I mean, this could this podcast could just be titled Johnny Davis because what he did was just so impressive. And um, hopefully, it can be a springboard not only for him but for this team in general in Big Ten play because you look at the way they won and. The blueprint is there for them to succeed in Big Ten play because I don't think when you look at this, there's a lot of other teams that match up much better than Purdue at stopping Wisconsin. When they have Ivy, a guy who um, can stick with Johnny Davis, at least you would think so, um, based off of his athletic pedigree. But Johnny Davis thoroughly outplayed him. Defensively, they took care of business, and, and that was the difference in my eyes was the defensive effort and then Johnny Davis just taking over and saying, we're not going to lose this game. Yeah, it was it was a truly a, a great performance from the the entire uh, Wisconsin basketball team. I know you know he was Johnny Davis was the story offensively, but everyone I think um, played really well, and that's what you need to win these Big Ten, you know, these tough road contests. That's uh, the effort that you're going to need on both ends of the floor. All right, before we turn away from basketball, of course, Wisconsin will have their next contest Thursday evening against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Anything that you want to see differently? Um, from the Badgers before, uh, or in that contest before we uh, head into football? I think it's it's got to be the same, where Wisconsin comes out and plays really hard. Um, that was such a huge component of this game. Uh, Keaton Murray, a really good player for, for Iowa as well, so how they handle him and what he can bring to the table is going to be interesting to watch. But I, I think as long as Wisconsin can come out with that intensity and play a full 40 minutes, they're going to be fine, especially if Johnny Davis and Brad Davis can shoot. 
Um, I, I know that there's been lapses where the team has struggled there, but we've also seen that when they've been down, the other guys have stepped up. So Wisconsin, as long as they can get a li- enough offense and keep up the defensive intensity, they'll be fine. I think this is a team that should beat Iowa at home, but that's why you play the game. Absolutely. That is exactly why you play the game. It should be a fun contest. I know Iowa's kind of been an up and down team all these, all season, but these two, of course, are rivals that uh, are very familiar with one another over the past few years. All right, guys, we'll go ahead. We've got our basketball talk. We'll go ahead and get our ad reads out of the way, and then we'll get into our football talk because I think we've got quite a bit to discuss on that. So stick with us. We'll be back with you shortly. All right, as we mentioned at the top of the show, news after news after news continued to trickle in yesterday um, to really give us quite a bit to talk about on the football side of things today. Uh, we'll start with the first one. Fayon Hicks announced that he will be um, getting ready for the NFL draft. We'll forego, forego that extra season. Uh, we knew he was kind of mulling it over over the past few weeks. It looks like he's made a decision there and should be a guy that hopefully can go and, and can compete and, and see what he can do at the next level. I think he's got a ton of talent um, and, and really has shown in playing a lot of football for Wisconsin over the past few years that he can, um, you know, certainly has the talent to go out there and compete uh, for a spot in, in the NFL that way. So what do you make of that decision and then what do you make of his possible future prospects at the next level? I don't know what else he could have done by coming back, so this decision makes sense, at least in my eyes. I, I think I would have loved to seen him come back. I know Badger fans would have loved to see him come back after he's put together over 40 starts in his college career. But but really, if if there's not enough on film after four, making 40 starts in uh, in your college career, like I don't know what else to say. So I think that he's in a good spot to have a chance to compete for a a spot on an NFL roster. Um, but really, this isn't that surprising, especially when you consider the fact that he is uh, a guy that came back for an, an extra year um, this past season and had announced that, hey, I'm coming back. So that make, lets you at least know that he was thinking about going to the NFL last year as well and that that's on his mind, hoping that this was be his last ride. It turned out that way. I think Wisconsin will definitely need to kind of turn over their cornerback room with both him and Caesar Williams gone. But overall, um, best of luck to fan really smart, um, and, and talented player that I think did a lot of nice things for the Badgers while he was there. Um, uh, honorable all, um, honorable all big 10 player last year, um, put together another good season this year. And I think that, uh, he, he's somebody that, uh, Definitely got better as his career went on with the Badgers, and I wish him nothing but the best. Yeah, absolutely. Wish him nothing but the best is always a great additive to have on there. I think he's been a player that it's crazy. You mentioned 40 starts, and it's really um, something to just think back to his career because it seems like not too long ago he was one of those incoming freshmen and, and one of those guys that you thought, okay, he's got the potential to play, and then he played very early in his career. And all of a sudden, you know, a few years later, he's a guy that's played a, a ton of football at the cornerback position for the Badgers. So I think you made a great point. What more could he, he do at that next, at that collegiate level is, is probably not all that much. So for him to, you know, get that opportunity to go to the next level, hopefully he can go out and take advantage of it. And, and that certainly creates um, some openings for the Badgers defensively on with, with him and Caesar Williams departing where all of a sudden, uh, you're going to be looking to some younger corners or maybe the transfer portal, which is what our next storyline um, lines up and transitions to nicely. The Badgers did pick up a transfer commitment yesterday from Justin Clark, formerly of Toledo. 
It sounds like Clark will have one year of eligibility with the Badgers. Of course, the tie to former Toledo defensive back and coach uh, Hank Poteet made a ton of sense for him. This is kind of a situation where I think you look at it, he's not necessarily a player that jumps out hugely in stats. He's played a lot of football at the at the collegiate level, but this is where you kind of trust your position coaches that to go out and, and make these pickups and, and know these guys, of course, a former tie with Poteet that way. So what do you make of, of that pickup of Justin Clark to help give some depth to that cornerback room, which all of a sudden has, has lost two of their top players? Yeah, I, I, I think you're completely right. The depth aspect of this pickup is, is there. You knew Wisconsin was going to go after the um, a defensive back via the transfer portal, and they might not be even done um, at this point. But I think the familiarity with Hank Poteet definitely played a part in this. He was actually recruited by Poteet when he was at Kent State and then followed him to Toledo. So there's there's definitely a level of trust there. He comes from a really good high school in um, Michigan that Wisconsin has really tried to chip into frequently, hasn't necessarily been able to. So hopefully that could give them a little bit of help as well at West Bloomfield, one of the top schools out there. But you look at it and he's got decent size, um, has played a ton of football, um, going to be a sixth year guy. So you're going to have bring in a veteran into that room where you don't really have any seniors mm-hmm. coming back. I know that um, I guess Alexander Smith is technically a senior, um, but looking at this, um, he, he's played in 45 games, four interceptions. I, I don't think that he's going to be a guy that's all of a sudden going to be um, an all Big Ten performer by any stretch. But I do think that bringing him in, seeing what he could do and help you out, you, there's nothing to lose here from bringing this in, especially if it's a one-year um, fix to, to hopefully bridge you to some of the younger DBs you've got in your, in your pipeline. So hopefully he can take advantage of the extra year. And, and I know um, in, in our uh, you know, DMs with him, he, he, he's excited to, to become a Badger. Yeah, it was clear that he was excited to get this opportunity, and I think he, it's a, a really good fit. And I'm glad you mentioned Bridge, of course. So this was most recent recruiting class. you got a couple corners in there, probably not ready to throw them out there right away. So this kind of gives you an opportunity to have a veteran that you can lean on. If he comes in and is a really good player in, in spring and fall and can get some time, that's great. Otherwise, he, he gives you some depth when you maybe need to uh, make that call and, and get a player like that. So as you mentioned, kind of a win-win uh, for the Badgers and, and for Justin Clark gets a little bit of an opportunity to play at that higher level. You know, he mentioned in the DMs, uh, the conversation that we're referencing kind of, you know, the excited to, what he wants to do is, is get on campus and win a Big Ten championship. He's excited to compete for something like that. So I think it's a good pickup and, and really gives you, you know, some numbers in that cornerback room that you can feel good about because now all of a sudden, in the last couple of years, you've said, you know, you got Hicks, you've got Williams, you feel good about the, that starting corner duo it's going to be new faces there. It's going to be guys taking on much bigger roles. Justin Clark will certainly be in that conversation. And if not, he can certainly be a guy that can give you something in, in a depth role, special teams, anything like that. He's, he's a good player that's got experience at the college level. Yeah. I would imagine that he's going to be one of your top three um, coming in, in unless something changes drastically or he doesn't live up to what Hank Poteet thinks he can bring to the team. But, but really um, I think that's going to help, this group a lot and just to bring in an, an elder statesman to help them out is a, is a nice move regardless of if he's a bouncing up or bouncing down, whatever, whatever he had done previous in his uh, time at Toledo. I think just having somebody who's been around the block a few times is going to be important. 
All right, our next piece of news, we talked a little bit about Bayon Hicks departing. The next one is, of course, a big one, and Leo Chanel announced that he will be departing for the NFL draft. I know, you know, depending on who you kind of talk to, some people thought he'd be back, some people thought he would be going. Had a great year this year, so you can totally understand why he would make that jump to go to the next level. Um, the tough blow for the batters. He's, he's such a talented player, and it seems like uh, his career was was very short in in the time he had a really good year last year with that COVID year, and then came out and was just uh, played with the guy, a guy that played with his hair on fire this year and really stood out. So, what do you make of of that decision? How do you think he'll fare at the next level? I think he's going to be a stud. I mean, you look at what he can do as a blitzer, and he is he's different. Um, he's got the size that you that you look for in the NFL at 250 plus pounds, six foot two. Um, and can run, get downhill really quickly. He's probably got a little bit of more that he can show in terms of pass pro, or I mean um, dropping in coverage. But but really, he put up 115 tackles, almost 20 tackles for a loss, and eight sacks in only 11 games. So he averaged over 10 tackles a game. Um, just an animal out there. And um, I think Jim Leonard put it best. Like, what else can he prove? Like he went ahead, he was a guy that's, that played immediately as a freshman, which is usually a strong indicator that they think this guy's going to be really good. They want him to start the next season. Sure enough, he started in the shortened COVID year, put together a nice season, and then he took his game to a completely different level. Um, I, I think he was the best player um, on Wisconsin's defense. You could make a pretty strong argument. He was the best player on the entire team. Um, I, I think him and Braylon Allen meeting a hole to fight that out would be um, pretty fun to watch, but he 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 is just a completely different animal, and I th- I think he's going to be a guy that um, is going to do some nice things if he gets an invite to the combine and and hope puts up the bench press numbers that we know he can do, and if he runs well because he's somebody that could be a plug and play guy at the NFL level just based off of what he can do at the very least as a blitzer um, from the inside. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's been a, a player that is, is put together uh, quite an, an impressive season this year. And, and really looking back last year, you know, he didn't maybe have the, as many of the splash plays that he wanted to, but he was still a very good piece for the for the Badgers. So I think he'll, he'll go to the next level. And if he finds that um, that right team that can utilize his abilities the best way possible, I think you're going to have a guy that's similar to other Wisconsin Badger linebackers that have went to the next level and had success. I think he's got a, a opportunity to be um, in, in that same position. He's a guy that you mentioned is you know, dropping back in pass coverage, but if he's in a defensive system where he doesn't have to do that as much and, and can just focus on being a guy that's up there and cleans up every tackle, he's going to be uh, a guy that I think could really have a lot of success at the next level. So um, I'm interested to see how it goes for him and, and where he ends up in terms of draft stock. Uh, I don't know. You know, you talk about Wisconsin linebackers. Sometimes they're a, a lot, a late, you know, later round pick, but there's a ton of value with a player like that because you're getting him uh, possibly a little later and he'll end up being a, a, a veteran of the league for a long time that can give you a lot of different stuff. So I think it, it makes sense for him. It's going to be tough for Wisconsin having to replace both him and Jack Sanborn on the inside, but that's why you got, you know, a guy like Jordan Turner, some run in the bowl game. Maybe you already knew that that decision was in there. So he got worked in a little bit more. So you've got to replace two high quality, you know, great players. But I think both, uh, you know, himself and Sanborn have, have earned that opportunity to go on to that next level and hopefully make a career for themselves. So, I am very excited to see what uh, what he can do at that NFL level. 
Yeah, I mean, he, like you said, his his stint with the Badgers was pretty brief. Um, when you consider that he played right away, and and the COVID season was cut short, but but man, he 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 was a different breed out there, and just absolutely played um, spectacularly well all season long. Yeah, yeah. So best of luck to Leo Chanel as he heads to the next level. I'll certainly any sort of draft coverage that we see from him or any sort of projections, uh, we'll make sure to touch on that as he gets ready to jump to the league. All right, our next piece of news, and this will probably be a little bit longer of a conversation, um, but we've talked about this as as a rumor a couple weeks ago, and now is it is official. Joe Rudolph is heading to Virginia Tech. Um, he will take over as the offensive line coach for the uh, for Brent Pry and the Virginia Tech Hokies. So this has been something that's been in the rumor mill for quite a long time, and we were just kind of waiting on confirmation seemed like after the bowl game was the time where Joe Rudolph was waiting for. I mean, I know there's mixed opinions about Joe Rudolph out there in the fan base, but you can't argue that this guy was very much rooting for Wisconsin and bled Wisconsin red and and really wanted the best for the program. Sometimes it gets to be a situation where, you know, you've been doing the same thing for a long time and change is just needed. And and he mentioned that this could be a, a thing that works out best for both sides. So, what do you make of his departure and in his tenure at Wisconsin? Yeah, I mean, he, he's beloved by everybody he talks to. He's a really nice guy, um, good coach, um, better person. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, you look at this, his, his ultimate goal has been to be a head coach. That's why he applied to go for the Temple job, a couple other different jobs at times. It was going to be tough to get that, make that happen as just an offensive line coach with the Badgers. Um, possibly a little bit better um, chance over in Virginia Tech where he has a, an opportunity to potentially become offensive coordinator if things um, develop well at Virginia Tech and things change. But but really this this is a fairly lateral move that kind of sheds light that, hey, things haven't been perfect with um, the offensive line the last two years. It hasn't been great. But he, he had tremendous success for many years with the Badgers. Um, just this was his seventh season. Um Coming off the heels of that demotion, there's a lot that kind of probably went into his decision. But I think you're right. Maybe this is a move that can, in the end, I know he told Jeff Patrikas that this is a tough day, but one that can eventually benefit both sides. And I think that that's kind of 100% true um, and that hopefully it does work out because um, he was a good coach that could re- recruit really well. But I do think that Wisconsin um, needed to make some changes on offense, and this is probably a spark to, to force Paul Christ hand to do it. Yeah, I think that's the great point. I mean, you talk about, of course, Joe Rudolph, a guy that has been very loyal to Wisconsin and, and clearly wanted the best for this program. So no ill will there. You hope that he goes on to Virginia Tech and, and does really well and has success. I think the more interesting conversation from the Badger perspective now is, of course, that leaves a, a pretty big departure. I mean, you look at him, he's you know the, the associate head coach title, third highest paid, um, coach behind, you know, Paul Chris and Jim Leonard. So all of a sudden that's a, a big gap to fill and how they fill that is certainly going to be a topic of conversation for weeks on end. And I like that you mentioned that it maybe forces Paul Chris hand, um, to make some changes there. So in terms of changes, I know we've talked about this a little bit on previous episode in terms of where things might shift and, and who might shift where. Um, and I know it seems like there's a likely candidate in Bob Bosa to switch back to offensive line, and then they can maybe figure some things out from there. But what do you think are, and maybe you know, we we don't know the exact answer, but what do you think are some options for some changes 
following, you know, the ripple effect following Joe Rudolph? I think the easiest is that you bop Bostead right on over. Um, I think that he's had success as an offensive line coach to the highest level. He's done it in the NFL for multiple years. Um, and, and so that would be an easy switch, I would think, as long as Bob Bostad is open to that idea. And I would think that that conversation has happened a month ago because mm-hmm. Joe Rudolph has said that, um, they, he's known for a while and the staff and the players knew. So I would assume that that conversation's already been in the works, that they were able to talk to Bostad. And, and that may be part of the reason why this move is happening, right? Like, cause it is a lateral move. You look at that from, um, high view. Like, like it's hard to know. Um, I know Rudolph is going to say that a lot, everything that, um, you know, he loves the Badgers and, and that this is going to be closer to home and lots of things, but it could very well be that, Hey, Paul Chris knew that they needed to make changes and this was probably the way to do it. Um, just based off of, like you mentioned, he's the third highest paid guy, but I think that Bostead to offensive line, I would be surprised if it's not that, um, in terms of that initial shift. But that's where I, after that, things get a little more interesting. Um, does Paul Christ really want to keep his, his offense and defense balanced? Or does he think a guy like Bobby April, who's done really well, good job at uh, outside linebacker coach, can handle all linebackers? He did it um, for both the Bills and the Jets. Can he also do that at the college level? I would think so. It opens up some more scheme variations that you can do. He's the run game coordinator. They'd probably come with a little bit extra pay for him. I think it's a no-brainer if you're Bobby April, but do they instead um, try to put Chris Herring there um, um, and, and, and say, hey, you've been doing special teams. Let's try something different at special teams and put Herring as inside linebacker. I think that's another option. Um, but I do think that regardless of how this shakes out, I do think that this is opening up a lane to bring in an offensive coordinator, maybe, a, or a quarterback's coach, somebody to help kind of take some of that load off of Paul Christ. And I think that that's probably one of the potential benefits from this move, um, even though I do think that they're going to sorely miss Rudolph on the recruiting trail and what he brought to the locker room in general, just because he is a tremendous human. Yeah, I think that's a great point and something to preface is that, you know, the Joe Rudolph as, as the offensive line coach and the Joe Rudolph as the recruiting, you know, guy that, that he's been are, are almost two different players that are, or two different coaches that are really hard to replace. So, um, Joe Rudolph on the recruiting front who's been, you know, there hasn't been someone who's spoken an ill word of him in any way, shape or form. It's certainly loved by all former, you know, current players and, and former I spoke with him in very high regard and that starts on the recruiting front. So that I think area will certainly be sorely missed on the offensive side in terms of scheme and everything like that. This is something where I think it is an opportunity and, and it makes most sense. You know, Bosa had a lot of success when he was with the offensive line and, and I think that would be an easy transition. I'm glad you mentioned that Bobby April did that at the NFL level in terms of taking that over. I think you all of a sudden, you know, the steps are certainly there. And that doesn't mean, you know, just because we're saying it doesn't mean it's absolutely that's the way it's going to go. But the path looks like there's somewhat of a picture on how Wisconsin goes about that. And then after that, it's it's where does this new addition come into play? Is it, you know, something where they change special teams? Is it where they bring in a quarterback's coach or do they try and bring in an offensive coordinator? And, and Paul Chris kind of goes on to that head coach type of role and, and kind of takes, you know, he took some stuff back onto his plate because he felt that was necessary. But is that something he wanted to do long term to have success? Or is that something where he did it out of necessity with his staff to try and get the off- offense going? We don't know. 
but it certainly would make sense to try and if they feel that it was just something where there he was patching it together and taking over the offense where maybe they could bring in someone else, get some new ideas, get someone to just help lessen that load of of all the work that's on his plate and and certainly give you an opportunity to 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 make a splash in that regard. So I think all offseason now, until that role is filled and, and someone's brought in, that's going to be the hot topic of everyone kind of watching for uh, because it's it's such a big move. I mean, Joel Rudolph isn't just, you know, a, a small assistant coach departing. He's been a big part of Wisconsin football, and it's going to be – it's going to take a couple moves and a couple pieces to replace him. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I do think that it, it sets up where you have that associate head coach opening, like that role that you can give. I would think it maybe goes to Leonard, maybe both – Instead, um, if you're trying to give him a pay bump to switch over to offensive line, um, he's been with Paul Christ and he's been just, um, has a ton of experience. But I, I think just the moves on paper make a ton of sense to, to quickly pop Bostead over to the offensive line um, and then let April, who's a really strong – one of your top uh, coaches on your staff, um, take that elevated role as all of the linebackers. Um, but but I do think that the the real question is going to be where they go on offense to kind of adjust things because I do think change is needed there. We've seen this offense be fairly inept at times the past two seasons, especially when they don't have the running back just kind of take over. Um, so I, I think they would go with an established um, offensive coordinator or somebody that could help in that arena, um, whether it be a quarterback coach and offensive coordinator, whether it's just an uh, uh, coordinator and then Paul Christ coaches quarterbacks. Um, I, th- I think those are lots of different things, but, but I do think that there's plenty of good names that the Badgers could go after. I don't know if they want to go after a young guy who's an up and comer. Maybe they go with Scott Tolzien, a guy who's, who's, um, now coached under Kellen Moore, um, and Mike McCarthy with the Cowboys. Um, he's well respected, um, in the NFL circles over there. Maybe he's a guy who can come in, played under Chris that Chris trusts and say, hey, let's see what you can do. Um, I, I know it's worked for other programs. You look at Tommy Reese with mm-hmm. um, Notre Dame. He quickly rose to that play-calling duty, and that really jump-started their offense. Um, maybe uh, Tolzien can be that guy. Maybe Bud Meyer gets a second tour with the Badgers and comes back. I don't think he would necessarily be an offensive coordinator, but rather he'd be a quarterback coach to, to slightly take away some of that load from Paul Christ, or maybe they go with just somebody completely off the off the, the board, which I think would also have a lot of benefits because you'd be looking at bringing in somebody who could bring in some new blood, some new ideas. Um, I do think that Tolzien would bring in new ideas just based off of um, the system. I mean, he's he's under McCarthy, who's done it for a long time, but then Kellen Moore is one of the hottest coaches in, in entire um, NFL to to learn from, so. I think Wisconsin's got options. I know a lot of people are going to say Daryl Bevel. Um, I just have a hard time seeing him come from the NFL circles back down to to play to coach in college. He only did it um, at one time in his life, and that was a long time ago, early in his career. So I don't think that Bevel would do it unless things completely dry up um, in NFL, but I just don't see that happening. Put him for a guy that's been an offensive coordinator for many years and has taken interim head coaching jobs um, the past, you know, five years twice. So I think I think Wisconsin's going to ha- look for somebody that Paul Chris trusts. Um, I think it's Tolzien, but but I don't know. Uh, I could easily see it be Bud Meyer or somebody completely off the grid. 
Yeah, I think there's definitely multiple options that you could feel good about. I think uh, Scott Tulsi almost makes too much sense when you look at, you know, he's he's not only familiar with Wisconsin system, but he's also played uh, and, and been a part of a ton of NFL football as well. So he can bring in, you know, some modern ideas as well with also knowing what Paul Chris in Wisconsin wants to do. So every piece, every everything in that puzzle seems to make sense where that would be a perfect fit, but until you actually see that come to fruition, you don't know for sure. Um, John Budmeyer, of course, familiarity. Familiarity goes a long way with Wisconsin, it seems, in, in terms of who they bring in their staff. They want to make sure they have that trust there. So both of those two names, at least right now, are probably the odds-on favorites, but there's also that outside option, which I think is appealing to a lot of different fans. I think Scott Holzine would kind of check both of those boxes with the familiarity and the the outside perspective. But you could certainly see someone that comes in with not a ton of ties to Wisconsin. It's probably a little bit further out in terms of odds that it happens, but I don't think it would necessarily be a bad thing. You know, we talked about it the last couple of years. This offense has has kind of been stale and, and kind of needs some rejuvenation, and and that could be from a guy like Tolzien, but it could be from some, someone off the board. And so I, I think there's certainly options there. We don't have the exact answer on who it will be, but I think if you said, you know, these are the three options and you – you, you land on one of them, I think you feel good about it. So, again, this this move from Joe Rudolph has a, a ton of ripple effect, but I think in the long term it could certainly benefit both sides of the coin that way. Yeah, and that's why it's going to be such an important decision that Paul Chris makes because it is a big loss to lose Joe Rudolph. He is a really good coach um, who's been doing it for a long time. But there is an opportunity if he- you hire the right guy to, to help propel your program further because Bostad, as assuming that he is your offensive line coach, we know can do it at a high level as well. So I think this is potentially a win-win like Joe Rudolph mentioned. Um, and, but really they got to ace this, um, mm-hmm. this offseason because I do think it's going to be pivotal and Wisconsin is going into another tough schedule next year. You're you need to kind of turn things around, especially with a younger team on defense. There's going to be a lot more that's going to be needed from the offense next year. And hopefully they can bring in an offense coordinator to kind of help give them a jolt because they need it. They absolutely do. I think that's a great way to end the show. And you talk about that's a, a, a thing where you need to nail this, this move. I mean, this, the opportunity has been created. Now it's time to execute um, and I know Paul Chris's play, you know, he mentions it. Thankful for the opportunity. It was a big one to really improve the the status of, of Wisconsin football and, and try and nail um, these changes. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. Hope you enjoyed a little basketball and football talk. Um, we'll see how much more news comes in, continues to trickle in. But it's always fun to talk about um, you know, all, all of these pieces. It's been a busy couple of days for Wisconsin football and a huge win for Wisconsin basketball. As always, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back with you later in the week on Wisconsin.